0: Welcome to the Art Stays Here Coalition's new podcast series, Culture Crisis Conversations. In the series, we'll hear from folks affected by the ongoing arts, music, and cultural displacement that's happening across the country. These include artists, musicians, and other creatives, as well as developers, policymakers, funders, operators, arts and cultural leaders, and more. They will share their stories in their own voices to best communicate the impact that cultural displacement has had on individuals and communities and how we can choose to make it stop. Hi, welcome to the Art Stays Here podcast series, Culture Crisis Conversations. Today, we're actually here with one of our own, Ethan Dussault, and we are going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff going on regarding arts, art spaces, preventing displacement, etc. in Somerville. And I think we'll just give a short overview to say that the majority of Art Stays Here projects have come from the city of Boston proper, starting with Humphrey Street Studios in Dorchester, 119 Braintree Street in Alston, Charlestown Rehearsal Studios, the Sound Museum, a whole bunch of other things. And we pivot here to a whole bunch of interesting things that are going on in the city of Somerville, right next door, and we're going to try to unpack it. So my name is Amy Bennett. I am a volunteer with Art Stays Here, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Ethan.
1: Hi, my name is Ethan Dussault. I am the head engineer, co-owner, co-operator of New Alliance Audio, twice displaced, once from Boston, once from Cambridge, now happy in our new home in Union Square, Somerville. And I am also a volunteer with the Art Stays Here Coalition.
0: Great. You're
1: also a bassist. I've been known to play the bass.
0: <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack here, and um, we're going to try to make it as you know easy to understand as possible. We've been learning about it for more than a year, and it's pretty complex. So um, the first thing that we could talk about and unpack is what happened in 2019 and the Fabrication District.
1: Yeah, so in 2019, Somerville passed a new zoning ordinance that included what is now known as the Fabrication District, or FAB, and that's a district that is centered around preserving the arts and creative economy in the city of Somerville. And it's, uh, you know, because of property rights and laws, zoning can't be overly restrictive. So there are other allowances in the fab zoning rules, but its primary intent and purpose is to keep space for the arts and creative economy.
0: So let's give a little bit of a zoom out about the different zonings and zones in Somerville. So like comparatively, how much space is fabrication district space compared to everything else.
1: Okay, so the overwhelming majority of the map in Somerville is like neighborhood residential, urban residential, and those colors are yellow on the zoning map. So when you look at the zoning atlas, it's just a big splotch of yellow, pretty much. But there's the blue color, which is the fab zone, and it's got very little on the map compared to those other zones, but it packs a punch culturally because it's where all of the arts buildings are in the city, essentially.
0: And can we name some of those arts buildings?
1: Yeah, so Milkrow Studios is a fab zoned building. Joy Street is a fab zoned building, Vernon Street, Miller Street fab zoned buildings. Washington
0: are- Street Arts Washington Center. Washington
1: Street Arts Center is a fab zone, yep. There are a couple of outliers in the in the community like Central Street is uh basically like these other arts buildings but interestingly enough, is not in the fab zone. There's an interesting conversation we had there at another date. You know, they are certainly in the community of the arts buildings, as we say, arts buildings.
0: And can you share a little bit about what we normally think those arts buildings are or were?
1: Well, in New England, typically they're those old brick buildings from the 1800s. I know Vernon Street and Milk Row Studios were built around the same time as each other. If you go in, you can see like a lot of the same types of um, construction techniques and materials. Um, so, for example, Milk Rose Studios was built late 1800s as part of the American TubeWorks business, which was a company that would receive sheets of copper, heat them up, roll them up into tubes, and then ship out the tubes, hence American TubeWorks. And they were in business, I want to say, until the early mid 1900s. And then slowly over time, the uses changed and the facility kind of got bought and sold in pieces. And uh, I'd say it took about a hundred years for Milkrow Row Studios to become an affordable, thriving arts community.
0: So that's a, a theme that we see a lot, especially in New England, where there was industry and factory and mill buildings and manufacturing as technology changed and as cities changed. Some of these buildings have been abandoned and vacant, and over time, they often get turned into artist buildings because they are vacant and sometimes inexpensive. They're not the most luxurious, and artists have a pretty high tolerance for non-luxury. They got a lot of
1: character. They got, <laughs> that's what you know. They got a lot of. Insp- there's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of history in there.
0: So, what's your understanding of why? the city of Somerville created this fabrication district in 2019, what was it supposed to de-incentivize?
1: Yeah. So like I said earlier, you know, you can't make these zones overly restrictive, but you are allowed to say, we're focusing on these uses and not on these uses. And the way that the Somerville zoning ordinance is written, it says, you know, these old buildings are affordable to these artists and... You can't just come in and knock them down and put up luxury condos. So residential housing is not a a permitted use in the FAB zone. You know, you can't come in and put in a biotech lab. Research and development and laboratory is an office use category that's allowed in many other districts in Somerville, but it's not an allowed use or permitted use in FAB. And the, and the reason is that, you know you can start doing the math on this. Luxury condos, residential housing, biotech, these are all things that property owners can usually get a high cost per square foot on. So the tendency is to try to create that infrastructure and, and cash in. Well, if we want to keep arts and creative economy happy in Somerville, we can't run them out of town by jacking up the rental rates of their spaces to quote unquote market rates of what biotechs are paying or what residents are paying. And so this is a way to keep those buildings cheap and affordable because artists and, you know, craftspeople that need them can't really afford, you know, those high rates. rates. And
0: they're also supposed to serve as incubation, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning high powered design firm corporate buildings. They're down and dirty, people making stuff. Yeah
1: if there's like you know, if there's, like, you know you, you, there's a couple of people going into business doing a graphic design firm or whatever this is a great place for them to get started but the implication you know it's not explicitly written but it's implied in the zoning rules that once you break through and make it you should not try to expand your footprint in the fab zone you should move on to commercial business or commercial core or a mid-rise or high-rise zone and you know take your startup business that was incubated to this level and now Occupy a market rate commercial space in these other zones, yeah.
0: Okay, great. So that's an overview about the Fabrication District. Do we have those in Cambridge and Boston?
1: Not to my knowledge. I, I have yet to hear about one and I've uh, been paying attention.
0: <laughs> so therefore we refer to it as the unsung hero of
1: yeah it's, it's, spaces. It's unsung because a lot of people even in Somerville don't understand what fab is and what its intent and purpose is. People still think that when they see the words startup or incubator in in there, they think, oh, well, like, you know, Apple, like Silicon Valley has startups and incubators and all these things. But when you actually dig into the zoning ordinance and you type the word startup in and you search the document, startup only modifies creative small businesses that are arts centric. Incubator only modifies businesses that are described as being arts and creative like so a culinary incubator you know it's never a software incubator or a tech incubator or a laboratory incubator it's never describing any of those uses in that zoning ordinance got it
0: so now let's uh, switch a little bit and we'll talk about a little bit of research in a report called the Somerville Arts Risk Assessment for folks who may not know there's a great organization called MAPC, which is Metropolitan Area Planning Council. They're a regional planning council, and they help municipalities do different kinds of research and figure out stuff. So the city of Somerville applied for a grant of technical assistance for MAPC to do an arts risk assessment on its landscape. Given the climate of all kinds of uh, property values going up and development coming in and artists getting moved out, they wanted to get some data on this for the city itself.
1: Yeah, Somerville Arts Council and MAPC presented this report a few years back, and it was you know kind of what started my journey into understanding the Fab District and the ACE rules, that's Arts and Creative Enterprise, ACE, and... There were quite a few interesting things that I can immediately think of when I first became aware of this document and when it was presented to the public. And that was just how forward thinking it was to even come up with these rules in the first place, you know, to to have requirements. So if you have commercial footprint in commercial core, commercial business, mid rise five six, high rise, fab, if you're building commercial space in any of these zones, you're required to have a minimum of five percent of that floor plate set aside for arts and creative enterprise use. And the risk assessment doc, you know, they talk about the definitions and they also talk about what's great about the definitions and also how the definitions could be better and how the program, the ACE program might be better implemented in the future. We can talk more about that soon. But the other point about the MAPC document that really sticks out to me was when they showed the heat map of all of the arts buildings in Somerville. And I noticed that my building was bright red. And it was listed as one of the most at risk in the in the city. And so I think that kind of lit a fire under my butt to to start getting involved in this stuff.
0: Can you unpack that a little further? Like what does Milk Row Studios being hot red and at high risk w- why?
1: Union Square is one of the hottest points of development in Somerville. And we're right at the edge of the square and we abut a developer's property that has lots of fab properties. I think that they understand that there was going to be at some point a proposed development on that site. And because we're a director abutter to that site, that calls into question the longevity of our, our building in a lot of ways. So what could happen? Let's say a development happens, right? That's going to rise all the property values in the area, right? And because the artists don't own Milkrow Studios who's to say that price doesn't reach that sweet spot for the owner? As much as we have a really great working relationship with the family that owns the building, any number could come along at any day and it might be the right number for them. And then, you know, who knows what that means for us in terms of, oh, you get to stay, but your rent is tripled, or unfortunately you don't get to stay, we're we're going to Turn the building into a cannabis, you know, weed grow or something. Like, you never know. And we don't own the building. So, MAPC understood the relationship between development, property rights, and property owners and municipality and how things are changing. And they're like, look, this building is right in the heart of it. It's like right in the center of this big conversation that Somerville is having about the future.
0: And let's talk about um, Milk Row Studios as a community. Can you give a little Overview of who all is in there and how many people and kind of what things happen?
1: Yeah. So while most of the buildings that are like this in Somerville primarily are visual arts, we have actually a good mix of visual artists and music and fabricators and craftspeople. To me, it's a prime example of what fab is all about. Uh, the diversity in the building really represents All of the uses, I think, that the city was talking about when they created the ACE category. So in that building, we have a few recording studios. We have a very small cluster of music rehearsal space, which is like, I think it's like three or four rooms in this corner. And which I think would be the most dense component of music rehearsal in Somerville, uh, which is sad, but it's true. Um, And we also have... Painters, sculptors, videographers, photographers. There's a DIY space known as Cambridge Hackspace, similar to New Alliance Displaced from Cambridge. Uh, they kept their name. We didn't have to worry about our name changing because uh, there's no city attached to us. But they kept Cambridge Hackspace even though they're in Somerville. And then we've got Boss, Boss Organ, which is like a like the work he's doing is amazing in there. I mean, the Hammond organ is a very American instrument. and The Leslie's rotary speaker is a very American sound. And... He's kind of doing American music preservation work. He restores, repairs these vintage Hammond's organs, which are like something 80 like something years old at this point. He repairs ours in our studio, you know, and he also builds new add-ons. So if you want to have like a distorted reverb and EQ box, you know, that's all tube driven. He builds these things from scratch and he sells them to Hammond organ players all over the world. And uh, not many people are doing that kind of work in this country. So, I mean, that's like, to me, that's an incredibly valuable business to not only Somerville, but to uh, the history of American music.
0: Can we um, put a pause there for a minute and just give a brief overview of your history of displacement?
1: Yes, the elevator pitch.
0: Well, it's because it plays into this, meaning, like, we're here talking about the landscape of Somerville how we're taking on some advocacy regarding art space but there's a piece of the story we haven't told yet meaning the fact that you're building milkrow studios is hot red on the heat map and at risk is one part but there's something else behind it
1: the fact that we've already been through this twice <laughs> twice so the first time it happened it, i was in my mid 20s and you know i kind of my heart was in the right place and i said the things i needed to say but i was the rookie and uh Essentially what happened was in 2004, the Red Sox won the World Series and then all the property in the Fenway became ground zero for a massive redevelopment. So we lost two independent music rehearsal facilities plus visual art space, some venues. And back then it was like, there's another building down the road, you know, just move to the next neighborhood. There's another building over there. Well, that's not really the case anymore. As we discovered when we did move to that building down the road in Central Square at the EMF building, where we were from like 2005, 2006, I want to say, till 2018, you know, a lot had changed in the area between moving into the EMF building and moving out of the EMF building. So finding spaces is way more difficult now than ever before. And, you know, the key differences between our situation now and our situation then really is the fab zone and the Somerville rules. Like you said, Boston doesn't have these rules. Cambridge doesn't have these rules. They have some, they're trying to do some things, but these rules are like, when you're talking about a bunch of musicians who don't have deep pockets and a bunch of visual artists who don't have deep pockets, we look at these rules as like finally getting some leverage in these conversations. Or a life raft. A life raft, yeah. So between the fab district zoning rules and the ACE use provisions and requirements coupled with some other community mechanisms, either arts advocacy or, or neighborhood councils or whatever, you know, you combine those things together and it changes the nature of the conversation. It gives people hope that didn't have hope before. Developers now have to think of things a little differently. The city has to think of things a little differently. And the artists, when historically they weren't at the table, now are at the table and developers are more inclined to accept them at the table. And Some like that and some don't, you know, it depends on the developer.
0: (laughs) Let's get a little bit into what we talk about in terms of the value of art, the value of artists, how art is everywhere and how arts make cities, places where people want to live.
1: Yeah. Let's take Austin, Texas, for example, South by Southwest music festival and just the whole music scene down there, right? It was for years... It was live music capital of the world, you know. Destination. It was a destination. It was, and it became a place that a lot of people wanted to move to, wanted to live in. And slowly, over time, that festival was kind of taken over by other interests. The city was taken over by, because, you know, hey, here's this cool place. Oh, great, cool place. Let's all go to the cool place. And then, you know, if if there's no guiding principles in the in the municipality then you run the risk of displacing the thing that made that city so appealing in the first place. And I think Somerville recognized that they were in danger of having that happen, too. And they wisely created the Fab District to try to prevent that from happening. Mm -hmm. Because Somerville is an art center in the Northeast, and it is an art center in the Boston area. The concentration of artists and musicians in Somerville is higher than nearly most cities. I think second to like New York City or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it's Mm -hmm. up there. And so we can't say no development, but we can say don't kick everybody out of town, please, as you do your development. And I think that's wise.
0: Well, it takes a lot of work, but it is possible.
1: Mm -hmm. It's no guarantee, but like not, not, not pulling the lever is a guarantee of failure
0: not doing anything
1: not doing anything is a guarantee of failure like because property owners have property they they do this for a reason they're not buying things to sit on them they're planning to do things with them and if you if we you have to make
0: our needs known
1: yeah yeah and if you don't if you don't work to make the make sure that the affordable arts workspace resources are still in town they will go away
0: mm-hmm. okay so um now let's talk about ace So ACE is Arts and Creative Enterprise, and let's just remind folks that the Fabrication District is a district of zoning, and the ACE, Arts and Creative Enterprise, is the type of use in certain buildings.
1: Yeah, so Fab is the district, but ACE is the use provision. Arts and Creative Enterprise is a category in the permitted uses, and it's got subcategories such as you know, your work studio, culinary incubator, arts education, et cetera, et cetera. You know, things that are included under the ACE definition are things like recording studios, music rehearsal spaces, painting studios, uh, pottery studio. Let's say you're a boutique bag maker and you have like a little shop where you do your boutique bag making, you know, crafts, fine crafts, b- boutique furniture, you know, stuff like that. The definitions as they are right now, you make a cursory glance and, you know, that's pretty much what you get out of it. Now, as MAPC pointed out in the risk assessment document, and if you are going to dive into the zoning and read read the definitions deeply, you'll see that there are a few other uses that are allowed in there that are a little bit more vague in terms of like what they allow. And I think that's what MAPC was trying to say in their risk assessment. It's like, hey, some of these definitions might need to be tightened. Some of our arts council seem to agree. They put forth A zoning amendment, a text amendment, not officially yet. I don't think it's actually gone to the city, but they've talked about it publicly that, you know, we'd like to change some of the text here, here, and here to close some loopholes so that ACE really is just about arts and that people who are doing creative things that aren't necessarily arts, you know, aren't exploiting the arts aspect of the use category.
0: So it's just making it clearer that its intent. Is for you know what we traditionally think of as arts.
1: Yeah, you can be creative in nearly all fields of work, right? But the idea is to not just let anybody just say I'm being creative at this type of thing. Well, come on, is it, is it really art that you're talking about right now? And, you know, so it's the, trying to close that 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 loophole.
0: Okay, great. Can you also explain the ACE five percent ACE set aside?
1: Yeah, so there's a requirement that if you build commercial space, Mm. in new commercial space, yeah, in, you know, the commercial core, commercial business, uh, mid-rise five and six, high-rise and fab zones.
0: Stop for a minute. What Ethan is listing here are the different types of zones In Somerville. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you heard him say commercial, mid-rise, all these things. We just mentioned that there's a fabrication zone um, district, that there's residential, there's
1: all different kinds of things. So The requirement only exists in the ones I just listed. And I also want to point out, I'm not a zoning professional. I'm not a planning professional. I'm self-taught. Go easy on me, world. Right. Um, (laughs) um, But when
0: you build in those zones, you are required.
1: Yeah, 5% of that space. So, like, if you build 100,000 square feet of commercial space, 5,000 square feet of space has to be set aside for um, arts and and creative creative enterprise. enterprise. Yeah. Okay. Now, the problem there, another thing that we talk about is that artists aren't making bank, right? The reason why this zone was created was because they can't afford to pay $100 a square foot, $50 a square foot. For their spaces right that's part of the implication even though it's not spelled out outright in the zoning it's part of the implication of these protecting and preserving these old buildings right or or setting aside these parcels of land for this use because it's de-incentivization keeps the prices down which means the artists don't have to worry about paying 100 dollars a square foot for rent which means they can incubate which means they can incubate and they can develop and they can grow yes and so the question here about this it's nice that this five percent set aside exists However, there are some who say 5% might not be enough, given how much we keep losing in arts and cultural space, A. B, it doesn't solve for the affordability question. Or longevity. Or the longevity, right. How do we make these spaces permanent? How do we make them permanently affordable? And how do we make them purpose-built? All disciplines need their own types of environments, right? Here's another nuance. ACE in FAB And ace in commercial industry are not the same as ace in mid-rise, high-rise, commercial core, and commercial business. And here's how they're different. The commercial industry and the fab zone ace, by right, you're allowed to be noisy and you're allowed to be dirty. You can't just be noisy and dirty in ace spaces in some of these other zones.
0: Uh, Can you expound on noisy and dirty?
1: Yeah. So music rehearsal spaces, band saws, wood saws recordings, you know, loud bass amps, loud Hammond organs, uh, dirty. Okay. Sawdust. Um, let's say you do paint, paint, or let's say you do plating, like anything that's going to create particulates, you know, you have to obviously be responsible and you can't just be neglectful of the environment or public health, but there is an allowance for the particles and the noise in fab and in CI, but not in, you know, high rise, for example.
0: So does anyone else think this is complicated?
1: (laughs) It is.
0: And how are people supposed to learn about it? How are people supposed to get involved and try to impact it? This is
1: This is how you do it. You double the length of your day and you (laughs) triple the length of your week and you quadruple (laughs) the length of your month and you slow down the how long it takes for a minute to pass and then you can create all the time in the world you need to do this while working on your crafts, paying your bills, living a life outside of this. I mean, you want to talk about the impact of art. It's like art helps people get through going to movies, going to concerts, listening to music on Spotify, throwing on Netflix at the end of the day when you've had a long day,
0: reading comic books,
1: reading comic books, paintings hanging on your wall that bring you joy, reading, reading, all of these things help you get by and, you know, and, um, (laughs)
0: <laughs> help us help you
1: Hell yeah and uh you know at the same time you know when you're gonna find time in the day to do that when you are uh, at you know risk of losing your space unable to pay your bills etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's a big problem i i believe in chunking you know where you whereas like if you have a task at hand you just you you know and it seems big you 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 find a manageable piece uh, you prioritize the ones that you think are the most important you just take that chunk and you focus on that chunk for now, because otherwise, you know, your mind will be spinning forever.
0: So speaking of which, so now we've talked about Somerville. We've talked about the fabrication district. We've talked about arts and creative enterprise use. We've talked about the landscape and we've talked about, you know, the problem. So now let's kind of, uh, transition into the work that we're trying to do to solve the problem. So the Art Stays Here Coalition was formed a couple of years ago, and its mission is to preserve arts, music, and cultural spaces across greater Boston and beyond. There's a number of ways we can do that. Sometimes it's about preservation, sometimes it's about relocation, sometimes it's about creating new space. The real goal there is to create net positive for the arts. And what we mean by that is more space, more affordable space, and more long-term affordable space. And that's a pretty tall order, especially given how much that has been lost, over 2 million square foot in our region alone. So the Art Stays Here Coalition is a bunch of volunteers trying to help this problem. We decided to create a campaign called...
1: Don't F with Fab. And what did you mean by that when you coined it? So just back up two steps. The Somerville Zoning Ordinance is not a set in stone type document. It's designed to be malleable and change with the times and with the neighborhoods and with the community and with the city, right? So when I say don't F with FAB or when I said don't F with FAB, what I meant was if any changes are going to be made to the FAB district, we need to make sure that we're doing it to bolster the FAB district, to strengthen it in in the ways that are central to the intent and purpose of preserving arts and creative economy and that any changes made to the fab district don't f with fab
0: that really means that if there are changes to be made that there are arts stakeholders at the table yes then we can kind of pivot into how this is all playing out in somerville and specifically in union square so there are three developments and i want to make it very clear neither art stays here nor Don't F with Fab, is against development. Not against development. We are against displacement. And we believe that having artists at the table and working with government and the neighborhood and artists and developers to create a win-win-win situation is our goal. We don't always win, but that is our goal. So there is a big development. DLJ Properties, uh, known as Boynton Yards, has come into Union Square. The way that they have primarily accommodated their ACE requirement is uh, the building on Windsor Ave, which is used to be the Taza Chocolate Building called The Hive, and that is um, a building that is set aside for all ACE use. We have another incoming development, Rafi Properties, it's known as Summer Nova, are the nine properties that abut Milk Row Studios that we talked about a little earlier. And then a little bit scooched over from Union Square is a neighborhood called Brick Bottom where there is both the Brick Bottom Arts Association and Joy Street Studios, and there is a development by a company called North River, who has bought a bunch of properties surrounding all of that, that will affect those things. So, cumulatively, the Don't F with Fab campaign is actually public awareness, public education about... Everything we've just talked about, about the fabrication zone, about ACE uses, about the impact of these things down the road, about the history of what we've lost in terms of art space, and kind of putting it all together so that people are aware. And what is it that we are asking the public to do?
1: Well, um, the city is organized in its way, and the developers are all organized in their own ways. So we need the artists to be organized in the artist's way. And so we're hoping to create a critical mass of artists and craftspeople who have studios and or live in Somerville to come together and to help, you know, celebrate the work that they do and the spaces they have and 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 share that with the general public so that people understand what's going on in these brick buildings that they pass so frequently and have no idea what's going on inside them. Because then they will understand that, oh, that's where all the stuff from, you know, this festival that I went to, or this coffee shop that I went to, or, oh, did you know that this movie prop was actually made by a guy right down the street here in one of these buildings, et cetera. You know, the, the general public doesn't really understand all what's going on in these buildings, but they like when they find out they love what's going on in these buildings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need to do that public awareness work, but we also need to, you know, make sure that people are paying attention to what's being proposed in these fabrication zones because civic engagement is required to get this right.
0: What is it that the city itself is proposing?
1: Yeah, so the developers, you know, they obviously have their development proposals. Those often look like zoning map amendments or zoning text amendments coupled with the pitch for what their new development will look like on the ground. Anybody in Somerville that meets a certain criteria can do a zoning map amendment or a text amendment. So that includes the city. And the city is developing a zoning text amendment, which It's not finished, and who knows what will actually be in the final draft. But so far, what it looks like, it appears to be a brand new zone called Innovation. And it seems to, from the map perspective, take properties from the Fabrication District and rezone them as Innovation. Now, the Innovation Zone does have the 5% ACE requirement, but it allows a lot of the uses that were explicitly left out of the fabrication zone for reasons, and it brings them back in.
0: For example?
1: Types of R&D and laboratory uses will be allowed, not biotech, but others. They'll create a new version of some of these office uses that are in the zoning amendment. So then those words, startup and incubator, can be applied to science uses and lab uses and things like that.
0: Meaning instead of arts.
1: Instead of arts, yeah. So... The other thing that seems to be true about this proposal is that they intend to keep the building type roughly the same for the innovation district, meaning that it will only be four floors and have certain features that are common to that type of district.
0: And why would the city want to amend to make this
1: amendment? Um, I'm unclear on that, and I look forward to the answer. Right now, it seems like they're trying to accommodate a specific sector. In the economy. Well, we can also
0: say what other things happen with bigger development, which is that it creates jobs.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it that's creates a, yeah, yeah. So, you know, tax I mean, revenue and yeah. you
0: know, there are benefits to there, development. Yeah. So,
1: you know, how many jobs will it bring, how much tax revenue will it bring, all that, you know, the fear of the development and the fear of this new innovation district to the artist is pretty similar. It's like, you know, what's, how is it going to affect our ability to have access to affordable workspaces now and a hundred years from now? So again, just like whenever a developer proposes a development, we need the civic engagement because we need to get it right. You know, we need to make sure that the changes made are responsible changes and that they don't f with fab. And the same goes for anybody who's making a pitch to change the zoning rules regarding the fabrication district and specifically arts and creative enterprise.
0: Does this only apply to, say, the artists at Joy Street who will be at risk because of their development, or the artists at Milk Row and their development, or why why should everyone across Somerville, and, and actually the region, know about this stuff and get involved?
1: Well, folks in Somerville should know about it because it's going to directly impact your lives. Whether you're an artist or not, it's going to shape the heart and soul of the city in a lot of ways. People in the region should pay attention because there's potentially historic victories on the horizon if we play our cards right. This could be a really good example for how things can be done in other cities. Or pay attention because how could you do it better?
0: And when we say get involved or join the movement, what are we what are some ways that folks can do that?
1: It can be as simple as reading the emails to writing some emails to you know making a video of yourself in your space, talking about your art and your space and how much your space, you know, means to you and what would happen if you lost your space. You could attend a meeting? Absolutely. Bodies in the room. It's my number one thing. It's like the more times we see a packed room of artists, the better.
0: And, you know, it's pretty new in terms of that actually being the case. You could write a letter. You could sign a petition. You could tell your neighbors. You could forward something on email you could share something on social media there's a website that we've created for this campaign it's www f dot org wait
1: no it's um, don't don't f with fab.org.
0: and um on it you can see all of these uh reports and documents that we've been talking about between you know somerville's master plan the mapc arts risk assessment the zoning amendments the ace definition amendment all different kinds of things but also on that website you'll find an advocacy toolkit where you can run through it and say okay i'll write a letter okay i will sign the petition okay i'll do this okay i'll make a video or any other way that you want to participate does it take a lot of time
1: it can take as much or as little time as you have capacity for and that's the beauty of this it's better to do something than instead of nothing And, you know, do what you can, even if it means I can't go to this meeting, but I know three people who could go get those three people to go. That's that's all you had to do. That's massive. Mm -hmm. Or if
0: you can't go in person, most of the meetings are hybrid. Or if you can't even attend it, most of the meetings are recorded and you can listen after a lot of the things that go on at the city level allow for what they call public comment, which sometimes can take the form of a letter or an email, uh, not just participating in a meeting. And one thing that we'd like to make sure that people know is pay attention to who's calling the meeting, meaning lots of different stakeholders are calling meetings. So Art Stays Here is calling a meeting. City councillors are calling a meeting. Neighborhood councils are calling the meetings. City itself can call meetings, developers can call meetings. So one meeting is not the same to another. And so when you're thinking about going to a meeting or participating, make sure you know who's, who's calling it.
1: Yes, it's been confusing in the past. Sometimes people think that a meeting is being hosted by one person, but not. A, it's not. It's actually somebody else. And,
0: and what we mean by that is that whoever's hosting it has somewhat of an agenda.
1: Of including course. us. Yes, yes. Yes, it's always going to be it's there's always going to be some element of that. It's almost impossible, you know, not to. And you know, that's part of the process. You want the different viewpoints and the different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And that that includes not just individuals, but also organizationally.
0: So, we're going to call this part 1 of our conversation about Don't F with Fab. We've done a general overview. There's a lot to unpack. Like I say, on the website, there are all the documents so that you can learn more. You can stay in touch. You can write emails. You can ask us questions. Uh, Ethan, if there was one thing that you would ask of people listening to this, what would you ask?
1: My hope is that in Somerville in particular, we can really make the most of these rules and really try them on and see how far we can take them. I feel like they're very untested at this point, and it gives me a lot of hope. And I feel like it's our responsibility to take these tools and make the most of them. Because like we said earlier, if you don't, <laughs> you know how bad that will end up. You know, what's the worst that could happen? We win?
0: <laughs> oh, or the worst that happens is that a lot more people are aware of the problem. And then the next time we have an opportunity to, to yeah. advocate, it's, it's already built.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, there's, a, there's a lot of room in the when I say victory or winning. I mean, there's... So much to learn from this new process that even that's a massive victory going forward for exactly that reason. It's like we're always trying to do better.
0: You can learn more at artstayshere.org, don'tfwithfab.org, join the movement, learn about it, tell a friend, show up. Now's the time.
1: Yeah. Be hopeful. There's a reason to be hopeful here.
0: Thank you, Ethan. for listening to the Art Stays Here podcast series, Culture Crisis Conversations. You can listen to all of the episodes from our website, artstayshere.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our partners, New Alliance Audio, New Alliance East, and The Record Co. And thank you for the funding from Boston's Mayor's Office of Arts and Culture. Join the movement at artstayshere.org.